Welcome to the Ashley and Jessicast. I started this podcast because of my love for Jessica and Ashley Simpson, but due to the support of my amazing listeners, I have been able to expand to other topics as well to feed my pop culture obsession and yours. Join me as we time travel through some of the most interesting figures in music, movies, TV, and beyond. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast. I am bursting with excitement right now. Literally, I'm trying to contain myself, but I am so, 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 so ecstatic to bring you a new series, and I'm sure you know, you've read the description, it's about J.C. Chazé, of course, from one of the greatest groups of all time, NSYNC, and if you're wondering why I chose him, because, you know, I could have chosen anybody in the world, right? I haven't done that many series yet. So it really was wide open and I want to explain what I think is so special and thought-provoking about JC and why I chose him. So I've loved NSYNC since 1998. I was really young, but that did not stop me from deeply connecting with them. JC was always my favorite in NSYNC, but I really do think all five of them are phenomenal and I think that they are just complete magic together. And we're going to talk about some of this when we get into the beginnings of NSYNC, but it's just really such magical kismet how it all came together and what they ended up doing and how massive their success ended up being. JC is someone who went from being homeless as a child to becoming one of the most successful pop superstars of a generation. But despite the fact that he became such a massive star, we don't know that much about him. He's really mysterious. If you see him in interviews, well, first of all, there's in-sync interviews, right? And then there's solo interviews. And solo interviews, especially nowadays, you know, it's kind of sad. He always tries to downplay his success or, you know, someone will ask him about the songs he wrote for NSYNC and he's like, oh, I don't even remember, you know, which ones I wrote or whatever. And someone will say, oh, you know, you guys did this and that and this and that. And he's like, oh, you know, man, it was great, but whatever. Like he really is modest. I don't think it's false modesty. I think he truly is modest. It's sad to me because I wonder if he knows how talented he is and the effect that he's had on people. People have really been coming around on JC. Not that they didn't love him originally, but I think we all know Justin was the most popular in the group. And JC kind of fell into the shadow of Justin, which really sucks because if you watch the five of them perform, I mean, like I said, I think they're all really amazing. JC always has the most energy. He just has so much power and control behind his voice and his dance moves. I think he is by far the most talented member of any boy band in history. And I just think he stands out in a way that has always captivated me. But now that it's all these years later, and we see that JC hasn't really released music in so long, it's just kind of puzzling and it makes it even more mysterious because you might say, okay, well, Justin was the most popular in NSYNC, but NSYNC has been broken up for so long now, JC has had plenty of time to kind of 
find his place as a solo artist in the music industry and make his own mark without Justin being right there to his left, you know? But he's chosen not to. So that's kind of my thesis with this series is why? Why? <laughs> why does he not have the Grammys, the sold-out tours, the screaming fans? I mean, he does. Anytime NSYNC has gotten back together over the years for a day, whether it be the the Justin performance at the MTV Awards or Coachella or the amazing Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame ceremony. He has his fans and he seems to truly appreciate those moments. Like he seems to really relish those moments that he gets to perform with NSYNC again. But he doesn't seem to have any interest in being a solo artist, even though he has one of the most amazing voices I've ever heard. And that's something that everybody consistently says about him, not just the other four members of NSYNC, but fans around the world. You could see when he was on stage, he put everything, every last drop of energy and endurance that he had was on that stage. He's somebody who really leaves like his blood on the stage when he performs. It just seems tragic that he doesn't really perform anymore. He's been writing a lot over the years. He's been doing behind the scenes stuff, but he hasn't gotten on stage very much at all. Every once in a while, he'll pop up in something, but that's it. One of the reasons why I find him so intriguing is that He's truly an individual. You know, he's different from the rest of NSYNC. He's serious. He's smart. He's quiet. He's intense. He's private. You know, he's an old soul. Not that the other guys aren't smart or whatever, but, you know, when the other guys would be goofing off in an interview or something, JC would be the one to, like, look the interviewer in the eye and be like, no, seriously, like, we do it because we love it. We're not trying to get more money or more fame or more fans. We just truly love this. You know what I mean? He was always the one to kind of bring it back to, like, reality when they were all being really silly. Not that he can't be silly. Like, I love silly people, and I do think he has his moments where he's being funny just like the rest of the guys. But they all describe him as the smart, serious one. All of them have described him as that at one point or another over the past 25 years. Through my research, I've really learned that he truly does what he does because of the artistry and the love for it. He is not interested in the things that drive a lot of people in the entertainment industry, and I think that that's one of the reasons why he doesn't work as much today. I think that he can live really well off of his in-sync royalties, and so he gets to pick and choose what he wants to do, and he prefers to do things in his own way, so that sometimes comes off to other people as he's difficult to work with or he's rude. And the reason that I know this is because I am like that too. <laughs> like, I can be really introverted. I have a very low social battery and when it's dead, it's dead. I also, like, I prefer to do things my own way. I'm the same way, like, all, you know, I'm in the entertainment industry. I really don't like playing the game. There's a game to the entertainment industry and JC is so not interested in playing it. He's not fake. He's authentic. And that's probably my favorite thing about him. I really do think that he by far was the most talented vocally in the group. And when it comes to dancing and songwriting as well, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that Justin Timberlake is not a talented person, okay? But JC just stands out in this way that is different. I don't know. He just has it. He has that it factor. He has that thing where you can't take your eyes off of him. Out of everyone in the group, I think that fame was the hardest on him, which again is another part of the reason why we don't see him much today. Of course, the series is going to get deeper into why we don't see him as much today. I'm going to dive into everything that occurred with 
JC's solo projects, the unfair way that he was treated by his record label, how he was sidelined because of Justin's behavior, and just his his general frustration with, like I said, the game of the industry, you know, the bullshit, playing by the rules, shaking all the hands and kissing all the babies is not his style. Like I said, he is an individual. The other reason why I chose him is all the positive comments I started seeing on every Instinct video. Now, for me, I've never really stopped listening to NSYNC. I have never had that moment of, oh my gosh, I just dove back into No Strings Attached and God, that's a good record. I literally have loved them <laughs> forever and I've always consistently listened to them. NSYNC is kind of like a happy place to me, you know? So recently, like in the past year or two, when I would be checking out old videos of NSYNC on YouTube, I would look in the comments and it would just be filled with comments about JC. I'm going to read some of them to you, but you don't even have to listen to me because if you just go to YouTube right now and click on any NSYNC video, like I'm telling you, not a JC specific video, just any NSYNC performance, like any regular old I want you back in 1998 performance, whatever. Almost all of the comments are about JC. I'm going to read you a few examples. Okay, here's the first one. JC is the soul of NSYNC, and I truly believe JC was the best singer out of all of them, hands down. That has 119 likes. Next, I'm glad people are appreciating JC, very underrated performer. Next, JC's stable voice and all those jumping choreography, I'm not going to sleep on it, his stamina. And yes, that is true of all of NSYNC, actually, but especially JC, because of course, he had the most solos next to Justin. Uh, what I've noticed about NSYNC that I always new in the back of my mind, but it just never like fully occurred to me. When a lot of these pop stars that would do choreography, they wouldn't do choreography literally from the beginning of the song till the end. I mean, they would still be doing a choreographed performance, but it wouldn't be like a full dance break the entire thing. It would be like there's a section of the song where they dance really hard and then the rest of it, they're just kind of like working the stage. In so many of NSYNC's performances, they literally have full on choreography from the beginning of the song like the moment it starts until it ends hard choreography and it's just crazy because they're all singing live i literally haven't seen a single performance of nsync's that was lip synced except for top of the pops because you always would have to lip sync on top of the pops that was just what it was but they always sung live and they would dance the entire time <laughs> It's amazing. And JC, I think the reason why these people are are like recognizing him the most is because his voice barely ever wavers. Like even though they're in I Want You Back, I think it is, he does a backflip right before his verse. Like what? I mean, I get that he was young and they all were young, but I was young too. Like I actually have a lot of similarities with, with JC and I was in dance competition and so was he. And like, I would really run out of breath, you know? I mean, it's just amazing. Like their skill is is just, like NSYNC deserves every praise that they possibly could ever get. I think that they are so phenomenal still to this day. This was not just a childhood obsession. This is a group that I truly appreciate now as an adult. Next comment, JC has the best voice in the group. Justin was destined to have the career he has, but JC deserved much more. Next, JC always gave his all with every performance. Next, JC is absolutely amazing. I love his voice. Wow, he should have made his own albums. They would have been great. Girl, this, this woman's name is Joan. Joan, you need to tune into the series, okay? Because he did make his own albums. He made two of them. One of them was never even released because people are trash. But anyway, I will get into – we're going to get into all of it, honey. Don't you worry. You're going to want to grab a snack, a sandwich, I mean some Xanax, tea, everything. Like you're going to need it. 
Uh, next comment. I never get tired of watching InSync's videos because of JC. He is amazing. Next, in all honesty, JC danced and sang the hardest in InSync. Next, JC serving the high note as usual. This man is a full package. Next, it's amazing how everyone talks about JC in every InSync video. 80% of the group preference. Next, JC is the superior member of InSync. Next, JC is going so hard with the choreography and still hitting that high note. I could go on and on. People are really starting to notice him in a bigger way. And it's interesting because what happened that is making people do this? He didn't come out with something new. It's not like he was releasing an album and that caused people to look back. He barely does anything in the public eye. I'm not saying he just sits home and does nothing, but like I know he does things, but he doesn't do a lot of stuff publicly. So what is it? It's just people coming around like magically to the brilliance of this man and I love it. So like I said, we are going to get into everything. But first, I just want to explain my background being an Instinct fan just because I feel like I want you guys to understand where I'm coming from and I know you guys have similar memories to mine. So I would love to hear about when you first saw Instinct, how you became an Instinct fan. So for me, I became an Instinct fan when they came over to America. If you don't know much about their story, trust me, I'm going to get into it, girl. So don't worry. But they were in Europe for a while and then they came over to America with their first album. They were my favorite. I mean, I just fell so in love with them. I loved every single song on that album. And this seems really silly. I'm talking about their self-titled because the album is not like a serious deep album or anything like that. I mean, it has its moments, but my aunt passed away around this time and she was like a second mom to me. We were very, very close and I still, you know, she passed away early in 99 and I still think about her every single day. I've thought about her every single day since she passed away. That was my favorite album at that time. So I just found a way to like associate every song with her some way. Just did with different memories I had of her and stuff. I would associate each song on that album with her. And it was just the thing that I listened to obsessively. I just really got attached to them because of that. And, you know, I was one of the millions of screaming girls that just lived for NSYNC. And I loved that first album. But when No Strings Attached came out, I'm sure all you guys remember it. There will never be another era like that ever. You know, it's the same way that people that lived in the 80s say about, you know, Michael Jackson and stuff. There never will be another. It was so phenomenally colossal, that album. And it's really really hard to describe to someone who wasn't alive or was too young how big they really were because it just really doesn't happen nowadays. I guess you could compare like Taylor Swift because she's doing stadiums and that's, you know, where I saw NSYNC the first two times I saw them in a stadium. I guess it's similar to Taylor Swift, but the the pop culture that doesn't seem the same. Like, yeah, she's the biggest touring artist right now, but she's not iconic like they were. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm older now. Like, maybe young Taylor Swift fans do feel that intensity of of that was no strings attached, but I don't think so. Like, I don't know. I literally remember the first time that they performed Bye 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 on TV. It was on a TRL special. It wasn't a regular TRL. They weren't in the studio. I recorded it with my talk girl. Okay. Yeah. A talk girl. Okay. I had that. That's what I had to record it. You know, I didn't have a VCR in my room. I turned on TRL. I would always rush home (laughs) to catch TRL because it, you know, I would get off the bus and I would literally run home and I would get home when it was like the eighth video or the seventh video. I wanted to make sure I saw Britney and NSYNC because back in this day, 
You really couldn't just like go online and see a video. It wasn't like YouTube. I mean, if you wanted to find a video, it would be kind of, it was harder. Like some of them would stream on MTV.com, but you don't even, you know, you had that dial up connection and it would be buffering and all that shit. Like you couldn't just see a music video at any time. So you really had to like catch it, you know? Plus, you know, who was going to be in the studio that day? You wanted to catch the interviews and stuff. And I remember running home, they were just starting their Bye 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 performance and I recorded with my talk girl so I would have the song and I was like the coolest girl in school because of that because I had a tape of NSYNC's new single that was not out yet you couldn't buy it you know like I said you couldn't just go on the internet and play it I I just remember the fact that I had this tape it was like gold everybody wanted to listen to it and I just obsessively obsessively learned every dance move every lyric everything I had an NSYNC birthday party I mean it was it was a lot and after the No Strings Attached era, I don't know why I didn't go to that concert, but I went to two Pop Odyssey shows and then I went to one on the Celebrity Tour. And I'm going to get into that in probably the next episode. But oh my God, these tours were phenomenal. Like Instinct really set themselves apart because they did these big budget pop shows that were unparalleled. I mean, they were hanging from the ceiling. They were riding mechanical bulls. They were in a roller coaster on the stage. Every song was this like big theatrical performance. It honestly was kind of Lady Gaga-ish before Gaga. Like it just wasn't as avant-garde and weird and like scary. It was just more like bubblegum, fun, comic book, superhero, video game themed. And I re-watch these tours now like online and I'm just like, I feel so insanely blessed that I got to see that as a child. I got to have those experiences and just lose my mind. I'm so grateful. I literally say thank you to my parents. I'm like, thank you for taking me to that. Thank you for getting me those tickets. You know, like that was amazing. It's crazy. You know, they literally hit the highest height that you could hit. They sold the most records in a day and in a week. They flew by any record that the Beatles or Michael Jackson or Elvis ever set. They just broke right through that. You just think the way that they came together, the chips had to fall so perfectly for all that to happen. It really is like the lightning in a bottle magical thing. It just doesn't happen for them to reach that height and then for it just to be over. It's heartbreaking. It just really sucks. But let's not focus on that sad part of it right now. Let's talk about a beautiful day, which was August 8th, 1970 when Joshua Scott Chazé was born in Washington, D.C., my Leo King. He would have to be a fire sign. For the way that he performs on stage, there's no way around that. When he was born, his mother was super young. She was a teenager. She had been in the foster system herself. And when she gave birth to J.C., his biological father wasn't around. J.C. does not know his biological father. And so she was left to fend for herself. Like I said at the beginning, they were homeless at times. They were going from place to place, sleeping on people's couches and things like that. And then when JC was five, his mother made an incredible sacrifice and just realized, I can't do this anymore. This boy needs a more stable life. So she called her former foster parents, Karen and Roy Chazé. They decided to formally adopt JC because they could give him the life that she couldn't give him. And so JC was five, right? So he remembers all of this. He was aware of what was going on. Karen and Roy adopted him. It makes me want to cry because if his mother, his biological mother, had not done that for him, NSYNC probably never would have happened. The other four guys are very talented, but everything has to fall into place perfectly for this story to happen. And if JC had been continuing to be homeless and, and having an unstable life, you know, maybe he would have ended up in the system, things like that. He wouldn't have had the 
life that he's had, you know, it would have been different somehow. So that story gives me chills and makes me really admire his mother for how much she loved him. It wasn't like she just pawned him off to these people and was like, okay, take him. I can't do it. You know, it must have been devastating for her. So JC actually said that his parents, Karen and Roy, they were really open minded to the fact that his mother couldn't provide what he needed and and they wanted children. So the situation actually worked out pretty well. JC said that he was really fortunate because he still knew his biological mother. Roy and Karen kept it an open door policy for her to come visit. Roy and Karen also offered to JC, like if you want to find your biological father, we'll help you with that. And he just didn't really want to. He said that he feels content knowing who his biological mother was. And just like any other adopted child, Roy and Karen are his parents. That is his mother and that is his father. And his siblings who were born after JC was adopted, Heather and Tyler, those are his siblings. And he said that he would do anything for them. He would even walk in front of a bus for them. So JC actually never talked about the story in detail during the instinct days. And I think that's one of the things that he liked about being in a group is that he doesn't like having all the attention on him in interviews you know he could kind of sit back while the other guys answered a lot of personal questions and things like that and JC would just kind of like step in here and there to talk about things he wanted to talk about but then in 2008 he was on a radio show and the DJ actually had adopted his son. And so he took a special interest in celebrities that had been adopted just because he gets this opportunity to interview celebrities. And he wanted to ask them what it's like to be adopted because he wanted to use that information and kind of wisdom in order to help his own son deal with the fact that he was adopted. And so he explained that to JC and JC ended up being super, super open and talking about this in detail. It is really the greatest thing. It is the greatest thing in the world. You know, my parents sacrificed so much. The, the, the position that I'm in now is because they helped me. I would not be here if they did not do that for me. You know, my first gig was the Mickey Mouse Club, and my parents had to make sacrifices in order to do that. Like, I went on an audition that, I, that my mom actually found in the paper, and I had never been on an audition before. She was like, honey, would you like to try something like this? I'm like, sure, why not? I go there, I end up getting the job. You know, who knew that's going to happen when it's your very first thing that you've ever done? Well, the thing is also is the, the true hero is your birth mother, who is strong enough to know I can't give him the life that he deserves. No, and she's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman. You know, she, she that's it. Like, you know, it's like, it's a matter of, we were like, you know, apartment hopping and, and homeless from time to time. And, you know, and she, you know, it's like, um, he's five. He's five years old. This kid needs to be in school. He needs something steady. She, as much as she loved me, you know, had to make the choice of of basically separating herself as the day-to-day mother, you know, in order to give me a better life. And you know, and I'm thankful I, for that judgment as well. It, you know, it, it means to me, it means that she loved me even more to do that. You know, I, I'm a very, very fortunate person. You know, and everybody's story is different. But, I mean, people who adopt children, man, are fantastic, phenomenal, and wonderful people. As you can see, he has a lot of love for his parents and his biological mother. And he has repeatedly said over the years that he owes his parents everything. He actually described his mom, Karen, as his guardian angel. When JC was officially adopted, he ended up going to school in Bowie, Maryland, all the way through high school. He finished his education while working on the Mickey Mouse Club with a program through that same high school and then also Dr. Phillips High School 
school in Florida that Joey and Wayne Brady and a bunch of other celebrities went to. So it was kind of like a shared program that helped him finish school because essentially the Mickey Mouse Club was high school. In fact, he said in an interview once that for him, the Mickey Mouse Club was high school, NSYNC was college, and everything after that has just been kind of like him living life. Before that, though, he went to a pretty strict Catholic school and actually ended up rebelling and having his first kiss at, he estimates, like six or seven, which is so young to have a first kiss and is like kind of surprising, but not to be gross, but if JC was like half as cute when he was a little boy as he is now, I'm sure all those little girls in school were just like, girl, <laughs> I need to play with him in the sandbox. And he was. There are some childhood pictures. Like, what an adorable kid. Just destined for stardom, but he really didn't know that yet. However, he did say that during his childhood, his parents' style of vacationing is actually what prepared him for life on the road. He told Rolling Stone magazine in 2000, every summer we used to caravan wherever for a few weeks the 22-year-old Chazé says, smiling. We'd just pick a direction and go. We'd spend days in the car playing games and seeing weird sights. I've seen every state on the continent from the car. I've seen the world's largest ball of twine, the largest rubber band ball, the largest bee farm. I've seen them all, dude. Now, he also had the opportunity to travel overseas when he was doing the Mickey Mouse Club. They had USO programs. So maybe that's one of the reasons why he was the wise member of NSYNC and kind of like like the dad of the group. You know, you have somebody else like Lance, for example, who said many times that he had never even left his town in Mississippi when he moved to Orlando to become the fifth member of NSYNC, you know. So that little tidbit actually helped me understand JC a lot more. But as I said, at this point in his life, he really had no idea where he would end up in just a few short years. During his childhood and preteen years, he actually thought that he would have a completely different career. In Washington, D.C., a young, shy Josh Chasse imagined life as a builder, not a singer. I actually wanted to be either an engineer or an architect from very young and really building things. Regular kid, went to school like everybody else, was part of the football team and, you know, the little leagues and the peewees and all that stuff, just a normal kid. Karen said that JC was always very musical and that she and Roy noticed how talented he was, but he didn't really build the confidence to perform until much later. Roy says that when Josh, as they call him, because he didn't become JC until later, but everyone calls him Josh, you know, from his from his past. When Josh was as young as a baby, <laughs> he would repeat things from the radio and it became clear to Roy that his son had a perfect ear, which I think he's talking about perfect pitch. I don't know if JC has perfect pitch, but that would make sense since he's like amazing. So, I, you know, wouldn't be surprised. His mom did say, though, that JC would sing at family events, like if everybody got together for Christmas or whatever, they would all Christmas carol around the piano and things like that. But anytime they tried to encourage him to perform in front of anyone outside the family, he was just simply too shy. And JC remembers his childhood very similarly to that. Did you know at an early age that you wanted to go into entertainment? Like, were you always that talented kid in school doing all the plays? And No, uh, I was... Uh... I think my grown-up personality matches my young personality, believe it or not. Too cool for school. No, not too yeah. cool for uh -huh. school at all. Just um, just kind of, for lack of a better word, it's I don't know if shy is the right word, but it's close to shy. Um, introverted? Introverted is a better description. Yeah. Hermit-like? Would you say? And I'm a, I get out there in the world, man. I just pick my mm -hmm. battles, okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is true. All the fans are always like, we never see them, but I see you a lot. Yeah. I mean, I... 
you're yeah. at the house a lot. You come to the bars a lot. Yeah. This. So yeah. I, it's really weird that I'm like, well, if you just look but at But I'm not Instagram, doing it. Yeah, but that's the, that's, I think maybe that, that would be the perception, right? Because I'm not maybe as invested mm-hmm. in publicizing yeah. my life. It doesn't mean I don't have a life. It just means that I'm more engaged in the moment and the people that I'm with than making sure everyone else knows who I'm with and what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's like the opposite of what an entertainer usually thinks. Well, <laughs> look at me, look at me. It depends on the entertainer, you know. Yeah. I think there are plenty of people who don't necessarily publicize every aspect of their lives and they just focus on who they are as people and their craft. So that clip was from a 2020 interview that JC did on Lance Bass's podcast. And Lance has interviewed JC twice. And so I am going to be referencing those interviews quite frequently during this podcast because it's so hard to find lengthy, detailed interviews about JC. And even in these interviews with Lance, you know, he's reserved. He dismisses so many things like, and not even in a way to be rude to Lance, but just kind of like almost putting himself down. You know, it's like there's so many answers that he could give and instead he, he'll he be like, I don't know, man, you know, and I'm just like, oh, please answer. Joshua Scott, just answer. Anyway. I get heated. I just, I've learned so much about him throughout this process, but I need to know more, you know? So eventually JC started dancing. So he was a lot more comfortable dancing in front of people than he was singing. And he had two best friends, Casey, who was a guy, and Kim. And Kim said that when Casey and JC would dance together, they were super in sync, for lack of a of a less punny term. They would all go to parties together and people would be dancing, but JC was still too shy to just get up and dance. And so Kim was a competitive dancer. She used to do stuff. Our power competitions, which is exactly what I did. And it's just so funny that like we were at the same competitions. I mean, we weren't because JC is like 15 years older than me, but you know what I mean? <laughs> the same company. And so Kim convinced JC and Casey to get more serious about their dancing and actually like start performing in front of people. And so they ended up joining and getting into the dance competition world as well. Thank you, Kim. What an icon. We might not have sync today without Kim. So we love her. So like I said, JC was super into music and I have compiled a list of all of the influences that he has listed over the years. And so we have Michael and Janet Jackson, which he said that he would learn the choreography from all their music videos, as did I. JC and I would have been best friends, honestly. Like, I know he has a girlfriend right now, but if you're ever single, please call me because I just feel like we would get along. So (laughs) next, there is Stevie Wonder, Led Zeppelin, MC Hammer, Paul Simon, Madonna, Prince, and his first and second concerts that he ever went to were first in Vogue and second, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So this is interesting, right? Because that is a large gamut of different sounds. You know, you have classic rock and you have R&B, you have Motown, you have pop obviously you have you know I mean could any artist be more different from each other than MC Hammer and Paul Simon like it's amazing and it's so funny because you actually hear most if not all of these influences on JC's first album Schizophrenic but again girl like I have so much to say about that album and his other songs you mm. Stay tuned. JC's first big competition that he did after Kim convinced him and Casey to join was at age 13. He did a choreographed routine to MC Hammer's Can't Touch This, complete with the parachute pants and everything. And of course, because JC is an iconic dancer, they won first place. 
let me just say that I did not win first place at my first competition. Okay, like that doesn't happen to everybody. Obviously, he was very special. Everybody was blown away. This led to more performances in local competitions and things like that. And at one of the competitions, JC was pulled out and asked if he could sing. And he was like, kinda, I guess. So they said, let's hear it. And he sang Richard Marks right here waiting, which is ironic because... He would end up working with Richard on This I Promise You, which was a huge song for NSYNC, of course, on the No Strings Attached album. JC's friend Casey then dared him and bet him $20 to enter another talent competition. And because of the warm response that he had gotten, he sung right here waiting. And he won that competition as well. Of course, the first time the dude sings in front of people, they're just on their knees, you know, bowing to him, which same, me since age eight. So... (laughs) JC said, I won first place, $20 from my friend Casey, and I had all these girls start calling me. I was like, are you kidding? I'm going to keep doing this. He then started singing in local shows and competitions, but still did not really consider that it would ever be a full-time job. Uh, that Around that time is kind of where I would hum songs to myself, and one of my friends actually picked up on it. He's like, you sing good, man. I was like, nah, because uh, I was more comfortable, like, dancing and copying the videos that I would watch on MTV and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I didn't feel comfortable singing in front of people, but I didn't realize I was actually doing it at first. And Mm -hmm. then he kind of busted me on it. He was like, bro, you sound pretty good. I was like, (laughs) and you kind of zip it up a little bit. And then uh, he, you know, another time he noticed me singing again. He's like, that's pretty good. And he's like, could you sing this? And, you know, I try and sing along with it. And then uh, when we did our talent show for dancing and we won, you know, we entered in another one and he was like, I dare you to sing. And uh, so I ended up doing it and I ended up winning. And that's when it was kind of like, wait a minute, this is kind of crazy. I didn't necessarily think I was good enough. I just enjoyed it. And that was kind of like more the thing. I was having fun with my friends. We were having fun doing it. Winning was great. I would probably been there if we lost I don't know if they would have been there if we lost, but like I would have been there if we lost because it was just fun. So that clip just ties into everything that I've been saying here, that he really doesn't care about commercial success. He didn't have stars in his eyes of like, I'm going to be a superstar. I think he just wanted to do what he loved and he was having fun with it. To find a passion that you can just do to express yourself and to have other kids around you that want to do it too. I mean, that's amazing. So in 2004, JC was asked, who's the bravest person you know? And he replied, some of the greatest people that I've ever met in my entire life are my parents. They put it all out on the line for me. They made sacrifices for me to do what I do. My parents had to quit their jobs. My entire family had to consolidate a lifestyle and make it fit around a child wanting to pursue a dream. And so all of that began... When his mother saw an ad in the Washington Post for a little show you may have heard of called The Mickey Mouse Club. Jennifer, Justin, Carrie, JC, Brittany, You may have recognized some of the other voices in there introducing themselves. I'm going to play a quick clip here 
from the Ananda Lewis show. Who remembers Ananda? She was so cool. I totally wanted to look like her and copy her outfits. She was a VJ on MTV and then she had her own show, which I didn't even realize. I had never seen this NSYNC clip before, but if you're a fan of them, you have to go look it up on YouTube. She made them the focus of the whole hour and they actually all had their mom or dad or both on with them and JC was on there with his mom Karen and here's what they had to say about these early Mickey Mouse Club days you know even starting back to the Mickey Mouse Club and, and different yeah. things like that like my parents made huge sacrifices in order for me to do what I wanted to do it was my mom was the one who found the, the audition thing in the paper out of dumb luck <laughs> she was like you should try this because you know you are doing stuff anyway so <laughs> but I said but she said this she told is me for the experience yeah and you don't expect anything to come of it yeah and he got it didn't he yeah first audition wow so as you heard his mother say there, you know, she was realistic about the situation and so was his father. I saw his father in a Driven episode saying, you can try this, but this is a lofty goal. Like You should still go for it. They didn't stop him, but they let him know you may not get this like this might not work out. Of course, they were wrong because they were dealing with one of the most talented pop stars <laughs> ever to exist, but they didn't know that. That's her, their little boy, you know? They're not sure yet how this is going to go, and they don't want him to fly to Orlando and become totally heartbroken. So I think it's really wise. And I actually lied. The article was not advertising auditions for the Mickey Mouse Club. It was an open call for Newsies. JC came in and auditioned. They actually loved him, but he really didn't fit the correct age range that they were looking for. So they encouraged him to go next door, and that's where they were casting MMC. So the version of the Mickey Mouse Club that JC was cast in, and he was immediately cast, was called the all-new Mickey Mouse Club, or MMC, because it was actually the third reboot of the series. So Disney was kind of ahead of the game with all of these reboots and remakes and everything. So the original version premiered in 1955 and was canceled in 1959. They then brought it back as the new Mickey Mouse Club, and that ran from 1977 to 1979. It came back in 1989 as the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. I am ready. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Kids way back when were as happy as can be watching the cute and cuddly Mickey Mouse Club. But for the MTV generation, MMC is singing a whole new tune. We've kind of made it our own thing, you know what I mean? This is the 90s show, we're carrying the torch, and we're doing it our way. So like I said, JC was immediately cast off of his first audition by the man who is probably one of the most memorable casting directors in history, Matt Casella. I noticed, you know, JC in the back of the room, he's got a big smile on his face, and he, you know, he's, he's very winning. My name is Joshua Shazay, and I'm from Bowie, Maryland. I literally went, you, come here. Sing. He's like, I don't know if I could do it in front of everyone. So, cleared out the room. All of a sudden, the camera went on, and JC loved that camera. Remember, folks, if you want to deal, just take your pick, and you won't get sick when you deal with Mike Slick. Sayonara. His dancing was terrific. Can't take a chance. The little freestyle hip hop dancing. God, grab a girl, don't wait, make a twirl. Kind of hip hop, funky rap, and man, he went to town. Just cutting up a rug and dancing and having the time of his life. He sang, uh, Richard Marks, right here waiting for you. Wherever you go, whatever you do. I was like, this kid has a lot going on. Right here waiting for you. Matt stuck his head out the door and said, you need to prepare for success with this 
boy. I get this call from Karen saying that Josh just got a call and uh, he's running up and down the street hollering, I'm going to Disney World! Who else remembers seeing Matt Casella on every TV special ever? Because obviously, JC was not the only superstar who started out on the Mickey Mouse Club. So anytime there was a special about Britney, Christina, Justin, anything, you know, it, it was always Matt Casella describing how special they were and how much they stood out. So here is what I understand the Mickey Mouse Club audition and interview process to be. And I've compiled this from interviews with JC, Justin, Brittany, and Christina. And I'm pretty sure I have it nailed down now. Basically, they'd put an ad in the paper and they would go around to different cities in the US. In JC's case, it was DC. It was just an open call and everybody would get their chance. And because the Mickey Mouse Club had a ton of comedy sketches, and that was really like the backbone of the show, the first thing that they would do is hand you a script. And then they would give you about 15 minutes to learn it. You didn't have to have it by memory. You know, these are like little kids. This is like age 10 to 17. You could still have the script in your hand, but they wanted you to go work on it for a few minutes and then come back with it. And so that's what you heard in the clip of JC being like, sayonara, that was a comedy sketch. And after that, they basically would talk to you and say, well, why do you want to join the Mickey Mouse Club? Or if you had done a certain thing in the audition that stood out, they would say, oh, you know, where did you learn how to do that silly voice? Or, you know, have you done this before? Have you done comedy acting or something like that before? And then they would get the kid talking about their life and the things that they like to do. And they had to make sure that you weren't shy, right? That was the whole point of really this little section of of kind of an interview was just they wanted kids that were outgoing. Even though we know, right, that JC was very shy. The two things people always say about him is he's shy and he's serious. But I think the key here is that he's one of those people that is very shy, doesn't say much, but then when the camera turns on or he gets up on the stage – you better watch out because you are going to have your socks blown off. And so then they would say, can you sing? Can you dance? They were really looking for triple threats. And so they wanted, you know, somebody like Justin, somebody like JC, somebody like Britney that really could do it all. But if you were like an amazing singer, but you hadn't done any acting, they could train somebody like that. But they really were looking for people that just nailed all three aspects of the audition. So then they would have you sing an acapella song of your choice and JC chose Right Here Waiting. You heard in the clip, JC obviously nailed the song. And then what they would do is have you do a freestyle dance. So they would just put on music. There was no choreographer teaching a routine that you then had to learn and come back and do or anything like that. It was literally just dance. There is footage of JC dancing in his audition online and at one point, he just jumps into the air and lands in a split, which is so funny because, again, I know the series isn't about me, so you guys are probably like, shut up. But I used to do that when I was a kid. That was like my party trick. Like, that was the move. Landing in a split. Oh, my God. Now I would die. But at the time, I was so uber flexible. I could do anything. I would land in a split, and then I would do circle splits, which people were just amazed by. So I think that's so funny. I wish the Mickey Mouse Club was around when I was this age because, y'all, I totally would have slayed that audition. But whatever. You know, um, JC got it, and that's all that matters. <laughs> the nerve-wracking part, and I've heard several people describe this is that you could hear the kid that was currently in the audition room while you were waiting so I don't know if they left the door open a crack or if it was just 
thin walls or they had maybe like a tent area sectioned off or something, but you could hear the other kids. So Justin and and Jessica Simpson, who auditioned and unfortunately didn't make it, you know, she heard Christina. So she was like, holy shit. (laughs) Can you imagine having to sing after Christina Aguilera? I would just pass out. And I have a pretty good voice, but I don't have Christina Aguilera voice, okay? So that kind of added on to the excitement and the anxiety of the situation because suddenly JC and Justin and everybody, they're realizing this is for real. You know, this is not me singing at my local talent competition. This is actually a gigantic opportunity. So JC was in MMC from 1991 to the show's cancellation in 1994. So that was when he was about 15 through 18 years old. MMC aired every night from Monday through Friday on the Disney Channel. So these were huge episode orders and a huge amount of work. JC had to go to school every day for three hours a day. The schedule, according to Justin Timberlake, is that they would shoot two shows on Friday and two shows on Saturday. And the rest of the week was spent rehearsing and preparing to shoot those shows with, like I said, three hours of school per day. And Justin said that they would get these employee cards that got them access to the employee line, which I guess would be like the fast pass line today if you're familiar with Disney World, or I guess now it's called Lightning Lane. (laughs) But they would have an hour long lunch break and they would spend 20 minutes eating as fast as they could. And then Justin and JC and Brittany and Christina, they would take their employee cards and they would run over, you know, they got to like a backdoor access into the park because that's where they were shooting. And they would try to break their record for how many times they could ride the Tower of Terror, which was the new ride at the time and also is my all-time favorite Disney attraction. And (laughs) I also have tried to ride Tower of Terror as many times in a row as I possibly could. So it's just so adorable to think of them, you know, working really hard and going to school and singing and dancing and acting and then just being kids and getting to have so much fun, have, you know, Disney World be their playground. I mean, that is crazy and so amazing. Like, who wouldn't have loved to be a member of the Mickey Mouse Club? I really feel like they just all got to have this invaluable experience that was both extremely important to them as artists and entertainers and important on the career side, but also was extremely vital in socializing them with other kids that were like them. And also they just had fun. Like they still got to be kids. It wasn't like some of these showbiz kids where you hear about them just being like work to the bone, like Michael Jackson, where, you know, he describes looking out at the other kids playing and his dad was like, no, you have to stay inside and rehearse. They actually got to play. They just got to play in the world's biggest playground, Disney World, instead of your regular playground down the street. It actually worked out perfectly for them to have such a big ensemble cast because anytime some of the kids were in school, the rest of the kids could be filming a sketch. So it was a really, really busy schedule, and the show involved music videos, live performances where JC could showcase his God-given stage presence and his very impressive four-octave vocal range. I mean, you guys, go on YouTube and watch some of his performances because he was 
as good, well, I mean, almost as good as he was in NSYNC. Like that voice was there on the Mickey Mouse Club. It's amazing. He slays every cover of everything that he does. It's just, I mean, of course he was going to be a superstar, obviously. The fact that he didn't realize that is just a testament to how modest he really is. But the main focus of the show was honestly these comedy sketches. It was kind of like SNL before SNL even existed. I mean, the original one, obviously, in 1955 was before SNL even existed. And this comedy sketches were very, very silly. And they are such a joy to watch, especially if you're a big fan of Britney, Christina, Justin, JC, Ryan Gosling, Carrie Russell. I mean, it's just so cute and adorable to see them as little kids and how good they were and how they had that charisma and it factor and stage presence. One of my favorite skits <laughs> is called the Adopt an Animal Program sketch. And it it stars Justin and JC as brothers, which like they always would play brothers they were so freaking cute together you guys adorable jc is the big brother he's so much taller than justin justin is tiny and justin signs up for this adopt an animal program and he thought it meant that you would pay money every month and then go visit the animal at the zoo but it turns out that the zoo program actually brings the animal to your house and it has to live there and the animal that he chose is a gorilla so it's a person in a gorilla costume <laughs> And throughout the whole sketch, the gorilla is picking up Justin and like throwing him around and shit. Like, it's so funny. Like, JC and Justin play it so well. It's the most absurd, silly thing. But they just do such a good job of dealing with the zaniness. Like, I literally was cackling when I saw that. Just trust me. Go watch that on YouTube. And then, you know, it'll recommend to you some other skits and stuff. Um, The other thing is like they would go backstage and JC or Britney or whoever, any cast member would be like, here's what it's like backstage at MMC or... They would have like, let's go home with one of the cast members. And I couldn't find JC's, but Britney's is online somewhere. You guys have probably seen it. It's like, you know, she's home in Louisiana and she's peeling crawfish and stuff. It's obviously precious and adorable. Here is where JC meets one of the most influential people in his life. Not just in Timberlake, we'll get to him, but Robin Wiley, who Every member of NSYNC has said at one time or another that she was the sixth member of NSYNC or she was the apostrophe or she was the star in NSYNC, you know? And the reason for that is she was a vocal coach, arranger, and songwriter who was working for the Mickey Mouse Club at the time. And so all of these amazing superstars really have her to credit for helping polish their voices. Of course, they all came into the Mickey Mouse Club already with a modicum of talent. You know, they started with some God-given gifts, but it was really Robin that helped them shape their sound individually, and then they kept in touch with her, and later, she also helped shape the sound of NSYNC. So she is one of these people that we would not have the NSYNC that we have without, and here is how she described our adorable, shy little JC back then. JC was like really, really naturally talented and didn't know it. Chill, dude. I'm tweaking your fence. He just always thought he sucked. And he always kind of had that attitude like, I hope they don't find out I'm not supposed to be here. Isn't that interesting that even with him going to these talent competitions, winning, getting first place every time with like no experience, and then getting on a national television show's cast, again, with no experience, first audition, he still thought, oh no, I'm not as good as these other people. He had some imposter syndrome. So for those of you out there who feel that way, just know that JC felt that way too, okay? And 
he's one of the greatest to ever do it, in my opinion. So there you go. I knew that the Mickey Mouse Club was a big part of JC's life. Obviously, it was his big break. But JC has really, really expressed in recent years actually how monumental it was for his life. And I honestly don't think that we would have the amazing performer that comes alive on stage that we get with NSYNC, the NSYNC version of JC, without the Mickey Mouse Club. So here's JC talking about how much the Mickey Mouse Club inspired him. When I landed my first audition, I just thought I was lucky. But um, over time, as I started to work on, on my craft and things like that, um, I realized that it was something that was a part of me and that I... Uh, Eventually, I wanted to do it the rest of my life. What made me want to do it was uh, were, were the people I was around, uh, my, my everyday influences. Um, when I, I was part of, the, of a chil uh, children's television program that was a variety show where it had singing, dancing, and acting, and being around that many people who were so passionate about it and encouraged you to do your best as well as you, you were watching them when they were at their best, that was inspiring. Um, it was inspiring to be around so many creative people. It made you want to be creative, and it made you want to to, to search deeper for something better inside of you. And, and that's what inspired me, I would say, is more the people around me. A few years ago, the Mickey Mouse Club came back in some strange iteration on Disney. Just like always, they, they brought it back again. It didn't go very far. I'm not sure what happened with all of that. But what they did is they brought in former Mouseketeers to help mentor the new kids. The whole clip is on YouTube, so feel free to watch it. I'm going to play a clip of the clip. But JC is so adorable in this video. I cannot describe to you guys how supportive he was of these new Mouseketeers. <laughs> Again, what's great about it is... It at least in my experience on the Mouse Club, some of the best lessons I ever learned were from my cast members. You know, when I would go into a situation, whether it was a singing number or a dancing number or an acting number, I'm drawing experience from any one of them. I can lean on any one of those because they, we became friends. We became a family. And it was kind of like, okay, I'm struggling with this a little bit. And honestly, one of the other cast members, if that was their strength, they would come and, and work with me a little bit more on it to make sure that, that I was comfortable with it and things like that. And those were the best lessons I ever got, you know, were from my castmates. And it was great talking to my friends and learning from my friends about these different things. And I felt like it made me a more rounded individual, a more rounded uh, professional, uh, a, more, a more rounded musician. It made me appreciate art in a new way through the eyes of someone who's passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I would say 99.9% .9 of my memories that I love the most are off camera because, again, mm -hmm. it's the camaraderie. I yeah. loved hanging mm -hmm. out with my friends. I made lifelong friends, you know. It's, mm -hmm. We can call each other at any time. We still talk about our Mouse Club memories and, and, and things like that when we see each other. Absolutely, you know. Really? Oh, yeah, man. It, it, because there's a bond there. You're growing right now. You have not reached your potential yet. You are scratching the surface. You are at the beginning of your potential. That's what I'm saying. Learn from each other because you're going to get better every day. And it's going to be because you push each other. He told them so many times, like, we're family now. You're part of this legacy of the Mickey Mouse Club. And we're all there for you. And I still talk to everybody from the Mickey Mouse Club. And we're all still best friends and all that kind of stuff. He really, really was hitting that message hard. And it was just so 
indicative to me of his character that even though he's this big star and he became this big star, he was genuinely excited for these kids. He was feeling that kinetic energy of like, this is the first day of the rest of your life, you know? Like, you don't know, don't even know where we're gonna go from here. This is amazing. And it just made me love him 10 billion times more than I already did. MMC is actually where the nickname JC came from because, like I said, everyone called him Josh, but there was already another cast member named Josh Ackerman on the show at the time. So Josh Chazé decided to go by his initials, JC, and it just stuck, you know? He could have gone back to Josh after he left, but I guess it just had a certain ring to it, and so he kept it. JC's most recent interview with Lance, the one from 2023 on his new Frosted Tips podcast, Lance kept trying to pry JC for any scandalous info from the Mickey Mouse Club, like who was the troublemaker, you know, who was hooking up or whatever. And JC just kept insisting that all of them were so focused that there really wasn't any of that. Like they were more worried about what their next solo would be or doing well in their next sketch. And he said, if anything, it was the adults that would cause drama and were more competitive than the kids. And he said that the kids themselves, himself included, they were just enjoying themselves so much and there was no drama because they were so happy to even get to have that job. Like they couldn't believe performing was their job and that every day they got to sing, dance, and act instead of going to regular school with all the regular kids and doing the regular thing. Like I completely relate to that and I would have killed. Like I cannot describe, you know, I'm never a jealous person. I'm really not. I only get jealous when there's a very specific thing that somebody got to do that I know I'll never get to do because like the time has passed or whatever. The fact that I'll never be a cast member on the Mickey Mouse Club hurts me because it literally, when I was a kid, I was exactly, you know, this way. Like I wanted to just perform all the time. I was always performing in local shows and stuff and I can completely relate to what he's saying. They were just so excited that they could sing, dance, and act every day. They were around kids who got them and understood them. Like I was made fun of so much in school for being a performer because you know I didn't go to like a cool uh performing arts school like I went to a school that was like very sports focused and stuff and I would get like brutally made fun of and if I had the chance to be around kids that were like me which sometimes I did like I said I was a competitive dancer and stuff like that it was just priceless because everybody suddenly understood it and so I think that because everybody around me suddenly understood what I did and didn't ask like the dumbest questions and side-eye me for saying that I wanted to, you know, be a star or perform on stage forever, you know. When you say that you want to be a performer, even if you're not like, ooh, I want to be famous, there's just so many people around you that are like, huh, yeah, fat chance, you know. And so to be around a group of kids that are around your age that feel the same way and believe in that possibility is amazing. And I'm so happy that JC got to have that experience. A little jealous, though. Two seasons into the Mickey Mouse Club, a little boy named Justin Timberlake came onto the show and into JC's life. And there are multiple accounts of JC and Justin's friendship on the show. So Justin looked up to JC immensely due to the fact that he was just so extremely talented and good looking and all of that. And he was five years older. You know, I feel like when you're that age, like older kids are just so cool to you. That's how Justin felt about JC. It was almost like JC was like his idol or something, you know? Like if JC would wear a certain brand of sneaker, the next week Justin would have those sneakers. If JC started wearing a bracelet, Justin would show up in a bracelet the next day, you know? Justin also said that JC was incredibly sweet to him, even though they did have the age difference. And Justin was one of the youngest in the cast at that time, so a lot of people treated him like a little baby. And JC didn't treat him like that. JC treated him like a person. 
you know, I remember getting there and meeting, you know, Tony Luca and Gail Garbodo and this guy named Josh Chazé. Everyone <laughs> called JC. Mm. And I immediately felt like he, he was on, of the of the older cast. I obviously became very good friends with Matt Morris, but of the older cast and people I had just met on the show, JC was always my favorite. He was always, you know, him and Tony were someone, were, were two guys that, they were a little bit older than Ryan and I. And we kind of like, we wanted to do everything that they did. Yeah. You know? What, I mean, was, we it, were, what was it we about were, JC? We that, were like true adolescents. Yeah. What'd you say? I said, what was it about JC that you knew was like, okay, this is, I can bond with this guy. He can teach me a few things. Well, obviously he, obviously he was crazy talented. I don't know. He just felt easy going. He was, he was one of the older cast that was like genuinely nice to the younger kids coming in. Yeah. There was never... You know, there's never anything threatening about JC. And he kind he really was more he was like just really supportive. But also he was just he was just kinda cool. You know, like he was he it was really easygoing. And we we're all like, Oh, I guess we don't have to take this that seriously. Like this is this has gotta be this is supposed to be fine. And yeah, um, I think um I think we bonded over over liking the same types of music too. So yeah, I mean you know, MMC is obviously there'd be no no instinct without that. He spoke about this in a 2020 interview on Lance's podcast. If you guys didn't know, in 2020, Lance did literally the most amazing thing that anyone's ever done since NSYNC, which is he celebrated the 20th anniversary of No Strings Attached by individually interviewing each member of NSYNC. And these are long, detailed, fascinating interviews. I cannot tell you what this did for my quarantine three years ago. Like, I was living. I actually think Justin came off much better than I thought he would, like, considering how he comes off <laughs> a, a lot of the time. It was just a fascinating interview. Each one was really, really great. So if you're an NSYNC fan and you haven't heard those, man, that's a must must listen. In Lance's latest interview with JC, he actually noted the age difference between Justin and JC. No, you were older than Justin. Y'all yeah. were pretty close. Well, because Orlando. when you have a common language, mm -hmm. there is something that overrides all of other things. A lot of things, a lot of differences disappear when you're passionate about something and you can focus on that one thing and it makes that bond even stronger. So we recognized, you know, early on, even doing the Mouse Club, that he he was a little bit more mature, and I was probably a little bit more immature. <laughs> so, <laughs> so right on the same yeah. level. In 2000, Rolling Stone asked Christina Aguilera about Justin and JC and what they were like back then. And she said, JC was the cool older guy, and Justin wanted to be just like him. He was very goofy back then, but now he's the serious one. So like I said, everybody says that about him, that he is just so serious. And I wonder if he feels serious. Because I feel like sometimes the way that people perceive me, I'm just like, what are you talking about? You know, we all arrive there as dorks, but we all grew up. And I do really think that that show polished all of these really naturally talented people. Because we all know, like we've all seen clips of Brittany and Christina and Justin and JC before they were in the Mickey Mouse Club and how talented they were. But I I really think that it's it, it was almost like a rock polisher, you know? Like the rocks go in and, and they have it, but they just have to be polished a little bit. And then they come out and they're just sparkling, shining, beautiful, perfect, and, you know, ready for their close-up. When the Mickey Mouse Club ended in 1994, everyone was just devastated. If you have followed all of these iconic people from the early 2000s. You've probably seen the pictures of Brittany and Christina crying on each other's shoulders, just like devastated. And JC, Justin and Brittany got together and made a pact that they were really going to do this, meaning 
sing and dance and act and, and show business in general, right? And they were not going to give up just because they hit this roadblock with the show being canceled. And so, first of all, that's so adorable that it, like, pains me. Second of all, for JC, this meant deciding to try his luck in LA. So him and Justin actually did have a little bit of a fan base from the Mickey Mouse Club. There are actually a lot of old posters and pinups from magazines like Teen Beat of JC and the other guys from the show. So this kind of led JC to believe that he might have an easier time of it in LA than somebody would without a TV show under their belt. However, you know, he soon found out that that wasn't the case. It was just as difficult for him as it was anybody. So JC said, quote, in retrospect, it was just a cable television show. And as much as it's wonderful to be on television, at that time, you had to pay a special subscription to get it. It wasn't like being on the show Friends, which is accurate. You know, a lot of the Mickey Mouse Club fans, I mean, it was a show made for kids, you know, so it's not like all of these big executives in Hollywood were looking to give these kids record deals, right? It was more just like this fun, silly show. So JC met up with the Mickey Mouse Club's music supervisor in LA. He recorded a bunch of demos and shopped them around to various labels and unfortunately found that nobody was really interested. You know, the door got slammed in his face many, many times. And when asked in a recent interview if his goal was to become famous, he clarified, quote, the goal was to make music any way that I could. But it just wasn't going well. And at the end of his stay in LA, something happened that he hasn't ever wanted to disclose in an interview, but he felt cheated in some way. He told Rolling Stone magazine, quote, I got hooked up with some slimy people and got burned bad. Finally, I just got in my car and left. So he was really starting to feel the pressure. You know, he's like 18, 19 years old, and he felt he needed to get back to the East Coast and start applying for colleges because he had to figure out how to live, you know. His MMC savings was not going to last forever, and again, you know, he didn't really have the confidence that you would think somebody as talented and good-looking and, and charismatic as him would have. And so he started kind of doubting that this was going to be a career for him. But on the way back home, he stopped in Memphis, Tennessee, where Justin was from. And I just think it's so adorable that they even, like, kept in touch. Like, they were BFF. It was so cute. And, you know, this is before social media. Like, it wasn't easy to just go check out, oh, what's Justin doing? Let me look at his Instagram, you know? It's like they had to actually call each other or write letters. I just think it's so adorable. I just, I love them. Anyway, so... <laughs> Justin had been working on songs with Robin Wiley, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. Now, Robin is incredibly important to the history of InSync. Robin actually wrote, produced, and arranged my favorite InSync song, my all-time favorite InSync song, and what is the song that most of InSync, if not all of them, say is also their favorite song, which is I Thought She Knew, the final track from No Strings Attached. And I think even that song alone speaks for her talent. That is one song that every single time I listen to it, I replay it. Every time I reach for that song and it ends, I turn it right back on at least one other time just because I just think it's such a beautiful, amazing song, like a breathtakingly beautiful song. So Justin had been working with Robin because she was living in Nashville. When JC stopped in Memphis to visit Justin, they would go in between visiting Robin in Nashville and working with her her or working on songs of their own. And what they would mainly do is rework songs that already existed and create 
cover songs and Robin would do the new arrangements of the songs to make them better suit JC and Justin and then she would help them record the demos. And so for a while, JC just went in between crashing on Robin's couch and Justin's couch until he finally really started feeling the pressure that he had to get home. So he went back to Maryland. He got a job as a server at a strip mall and was determined to save enough money just to be able to visit Nashville or Memphis monthly to continue working with Robin and Justin. And that's when Justin called and changed his life asking if he wanted to join NSYNC. So, but yeah, but when we got to Nashville, um, I started writing songs uh, with Robin and he was coming from Memphis into Nashville and doing recording sessions with Robin because he wanted to get signed, right? And I was looking to make music because I wanted to eventually get signed, but I was, I had two things going. I was like, okay, I got to go to college and I'm going to maybe go for music, maybe go for, for something else. I was thinking about a lot of things, mm-hmm. but I knew, but I always loved music. And Robin was like, you'll regret it if you don't at least, you know, do what you love. So let's just make some music. And so we started doing that. And when Justin popped in to work on his song, we started working on each other's songs. And next thing you know, we started enjoying it. So then he's like, come back to Memphis. Don't go home yet. Like, you know, it wasn't time for school to start. So then I ended up going back to Memphis. And, you know, his mom and his dad, like, welcomed me, gave, you know, gave me a room to crash in. And next thing you know, we're plotting and making music together and and, and making demos. And then I was like, all right, here's the plan. You know, I'm going to go I'm going to go back to to Maryland and I'm going to start at my school thing. And then like every month or every other month, we'll come back down and we'll start continuing or continue to work on each other's music and make some music because we're having because we were having fun. As soon as I got home, basically from that trip, I, I left. He called me up and he goes, so I have another thing to run by. you. I just got this call from this guy, Chris, and he, he said that, you know, there's this there's a label and and they want a boy band, and he was like, Dude. "There was no term back then either. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know what a boy band yeah. was." So he's like, "He's like, uh, they're asking me to do it, but I was like, he's like, do you want to do it? We could do it together." And I was like, "I mean, look, I'm willing to to check it out. Let's go check it out." And that's how I ended up getting involved. Yeah, he was like, "Let's go down there and, and see what it's about." And so JC and Justin headed down to Orlando once again, but this time. It would be to join a musical group that would become one of the most successful acts of all time. And that is where I am going to end it for today. Next week will be the big NSYNC episode, you guys. So strap in, buckle up, get ready, because I cannot wait to get into in sync with all of you. Sorry to leave you on a cliffhanger, but hey, you know how it ends, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited about this new series. And uh, let me know if you have any questions or did I miss anything? Did I forget anything about JC's early life? Because I would love to know. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time with the In Sync episode. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capriya Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessica cast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessica cast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessica cast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.